1: Travelcast Director's Cut On a Clear Day You Can See All the Way to Conspiracy by Desmond Warzel. In Drabblecast Director's Cut Special Episodes, we begin by running a previous Drabblecast story from the vault in full remastered glory, with the rest of the episode cut out, just the story. And then in part two, I actually sit down with the author and chat about the story, about writing, about aliens and conspiracies this week, and who knows what else normally, while we re-listen to the story and comment on it behind the scenes. It's a lot of fun. You can skip directly to the director's cut commentary part of this episode if you happen to have our M4A enhanced feed. Just click forward. This particular story, on a clear day you can see all the way to conspiracy, was a monument for us, and possibly all of podcast fiction in general. We featured a record 22 voice actors slash cast members in this story by doing something pretty fun. We started our own call line and announced on Twitter and Facebook certain lines from a story which, in the story, were callers calling into a radio show. So we had folks like you, our listening audience, participate in the whole thing by calling in yourselves and playing the parts of callers calling in themselves. Meta. We had a lot of participation from a lot of random people involved, not just regular fans, but folks like our editor at the time, Nathan Lee, voice actor Mike Boris, and founding Drabblecast editor Kendall Marchman. It was a lot of work to put together, but a lot of fun in the end. Hope you enjoy, and stick around after to get to know author Desmond Warzel as we chat about the story behind the scenes. <laughs>
2: The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the Air
3: in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells.
1: Hey there, it's the Sinclairs, your everyday
4: future family.
5: Well, some amazing progress in the war on
4: monster jellyfish.
6: You're listening to The Mike Colavito Show on Cleveland's home for straight talk, WCUY 1200. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect those of WCUY, its management, or its sponsors. Fair warning, I'm in a mood today, folks. We've got a mayor whose only talent seems to be showing up at luncheons and waving at the cameras. 80 bucks I had to pay yesterday for not wearing my seatbelt. Show me the seatbelts on a school bus. I saw a Cleveland athlete on national TV last night wearing a Yankees cap. And every day I get at least a dozen calls from schmucks who think that people like me are the problem in this city. Tell me America's not falling apart. And some of you people, including our program director, by the way, seem to think I'm running my mouth too much and not taking enough phone calls. I've only been number one in radio in this city for ten straight years. Well, what would I know? You want calls? You got them. Steven in Mayfield Heights, you're on the air. Yo, Mike, what's up? The Rent. Art in Seven Hills, you're on WCUY. Hey,
2: how you doing, Mike? Just wondering if you caught that ball game last night.
6: No. Andrea in Rocky River, go ahead.
2: Hey, Mike, first
7: time caller.
6: Well, call back tomorrow and you'll be a second time caller. Carol in Cleveland, what's on your mind?
7: Hey, Mike, what do you think of waterboarding?
6: My wife and I waterboard all the time, and it's improved our sex life dramatically. Chuck and Parma, you're on the air. Hey, Mike, I heard your show yesterday, and I was wondering, since you know so much about football, why don't you take over as head coach of the Browns? I wouldn't want to take the pay cut. Mina in Lakewood, you're on the air.
5: Did your wife think that waterboarding crack was funny?
6: Play your cards right some night, and you could find out for yourself, Mina. Tommy in Beachwood, you're on WCUY. Hey,
4: Mike. Just wondering who you think the Indians should try and trade for next
6: year. Your mother. Jane in Euclid, go ahead. Ah, looks like we lost Jane in Euclid. Must have answered her question already. That's all right. We've got in seven callers in under a minute. Everyone happy now? Hey, Jake, i got to take a breather. Do the traffic. What? Oh, yeah. The traffic is brought to you by Westside Hardware. West Side
1: Hardware. West Side Hard. What? Where? Who? West Side Hardware. Get your home improvement on, sucker. Thanks, Mike. Not much happening right now. 480, 271, and 77 are all
6: clear. But traffic on the shoreway is backed up in both directions. So our listeners might want to allow a few extra minutes if they're headed that way. For West Side Hardware, this has been your WCUY Traffic Report on Cleveland's Home for Straight Talk. Hey, hey, Jake, don't go yet. You still there? I got to take Shoreway home after the show. Any idea what the holdup is? Can't say, Mike. No accidents, just a general slowdown all along the lakeshore. Wonderful. And people wonder why I'm always giving the mayor grief. Straightest stretch of highway in America, and traffic still won't move. Somebody on the Shoreway, call in and tell me what the hell's going on over there. Franklin in Cleveland, you're on the air. What's up, Mike? Mike? You know let me talk? Don't worry, it's all out of my system. The floor's yours.
4: Well, you're entitled to your opinion about the mayor, but
1: come on, man, how you gonna blame him for slow traffic?
6: The traffic's just a symptom. I'm talking about neglect. Name me one thing the mayor's accomplished since he took office. Well? You can't, Franklin, because there are none. Homicides in the triple digits, a downtown that looks like Baghdad, none of it bothers him. Everything's a okay as long as his picture's on the front page every day. In fairness,
1: Mike, he didn't create those problems. He inherited most of them.
6: Gotta let you go, Franklin. I think we've got an answer to my traffic query on line two. Pete on the shoreway, what's happening over there? There's no wreck or anything, Mike. I think everyone's just slowing down to look at the sky. The sky? Bunch of jet trails over Lake Erie. Jet trails? I'm going to be late for my polka game tonight because a bunch of morons are staring at jet trails? You people never seen a jet trail before?
1: Well, there's one hell of a lot of them. Must be hundreds going every which way. I've never seen anything like it. Might be military planes. They're looping and weaving all over the place.
6: Okay, thanks, Pete. Now, hang up the phone and pay attention before you kill someone. Well, if there's anyone left listening after this fascinating line of inquiry, in the next hour we'll be talking to the Indians hitting coach. How's that? All right, one more. Mel, on the shoreway, go ahead. You're on the air. Hi, Mike. If you could see this for
1: yourself, you might not dismiss it so fast. you think that the Cleveland media is going to report upon this? No. Yeah, you're right about that. But listen,
6: don't you think this might just be regular air traffic? One of them just flew straight up. You tell me. Okay, I have no window and I can't leave, so somebody out there take some pictures of these things and email them to me during the ad break. Meanwhile, I'll run down the hall to our WCUI news department and lean on those clowns, see if they know anything. Let's get to the bottom of this so we can move on.
1: I am a Yeti on the run.
2: Not much change in temperature. A slight atmospheric disturbance of undetermined origin is reported over Nova Scotia.
6: on the Mike Colavito Show where we're devoting 50,000 watts to a discussion of jet trails if you can believe it. Thanks to our listeners, I've now seen some pictures of this mess and (laughs) as much as it pains me, I have to agree with those people out on the shoreway. That's no ordinary air traffic. And I just checked with our newsroom. They have no clue. No surprise there. They haven't broken a story since Teapot Dome. Guess we'll just have to wait and see. Anyhow, Unless you have something new to add, no more calls about this, okay? We know what it looks like. Craig and Mentor, you're on the air. you see the sky this afternoon, Mike? Can you really see what's going on up there? Uh, Richard and Dayton. Dayton? Really? (laughs) Thanks for listening all the way down there, Richard. Hey, at least you're not calling about the sky over Lake Erie, right?
7: Actually, Mr. Colavito, that's exactly what I'm calling about.
6: You mean this is going on in Dayton, too?
7: Well, Mr. Colavito...
6: Call me Mike. We're all friends here.
7: Mike, I'm not in Dayton proper. I'm calling from Wright-Patterson.
6: The Air Force base?
7: Yes, sir. And I just wanted to clarify for your listening audience that there is no unusual aviation activity over northeastern Ohio. None at all? Yes, sir.
6: That's official?
7: Yes, sir. So
6: does that mean all those jet trails are from commercial planes after all?
7: Absolutely.
6: Richard... I might have been born on a Monday, but it wasn't last Monday.
7: Mike, the air traffic's always like that, but between the clouds and the pollution, you just can't see it most of the time. Sometimes, though, when the weather's cold and the sky's clear enough, those trails become visible.
6: And that's all it is.
7: That's all, Mike.
6: There are a lot of planes up there, Richard.
7: It may look like it, but it's perfectly normal.
6: Well, I appreciate your call, sir.
7: Anytime, Mike. I'm just doing my duty, which in this case means averting a potential panic before it gets started.
6: Thanks again, Richard. Cold weather and a clear sky. Give me a break. No way I'm falling for this. Ronnie and Solon, you're on the air. Hey, Mike, maybe we're being invaded by Canada. Could be, Ronnie. They were probably pretty peeved when the Indians swept the Blue Jays last week. Jeannie in South Euclid, you're on WCUY. They might be flying
0: saucers, Mike. Had you considered that?
6: Anyone smart enough to get to Earth would know better than to look for intelligent life in Cleveland. Look, I know Jeannie's kidding, but let's nip this stuff in the butt, okay? I don't need these kinds of people coming out of the woodwork. John and Ashtabula, you're on the air.
3: Hi, Mike. Listen, I wouldn't go dismissing the alien theory out of hand if I were you. It just so happens I'm an extraterrestrial myself.
6: Oh, is that a fact? Now we're getting somewhere. And and when did you land here in Ohio?
3: Oh, I didn't land in the United States. I landed in Mexico and stuck across. Much easier that way.
6: Never be funnier than the host, John. Jules in Cleveland Heights, go ahead.
2: Mike, I don't know what's going on up there, but I can only hope it is aliens. I think we've gone as far as we can on our own, and our only hope for peace and harmony is the descent of a new wisdom. <laughs>
6: Well, you're definitely from Cleveland Heights, there's no doubt about that. Go ahead, Jules.
2: Humans have lost the way. We need to evolve and we're stuck fast. Did you know we only use 10% of our brains? Imagine if we could learn to harness all of that potential.
6: Hey, Jules, guess what? People use 100% of their brains all the time. It's called a seizure, dummy. Like I've already cut you off, Jules, but if you're still listening, let me help you out, buddy. I think you hit the wrong button on your radio this afternoon. You want the one marked FM. This is AM, and it's not safe for you here, hm? Let's go to a commercial. We've got bills to pay.
1: This week, on the hit reality show, Machio's House. He might have been the karate kid, but he sure is a karapi cook. Phyllis, I saw the instructions, but what does it matter if I preheat it, till... what Heat is heat. Well, I it mean... did matter, didn't it, Ralph? It mattered to the bunt cake. Look at this
2: photograph. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. At 20 minutes before 8 central time, Professor Farrell of the Mount Jennings Observatory, Chicago, Illinois, reports observing several explosions of incandescent gas occurring at regular intervals on the planet Mars.
6: And we're back with certainly the oddest show I've ever done in 10 years of radio. We've been discussing what I suspect are military jets in enormous numbers over Lake Erie. And I'm under the impression some people would rather we didn't talk about it. There's more to this than meets the eye, folks. William in Dayton. Another call from Dayton? I suppose you're in the Air Force, too? Mr.
1: Colavito, we've already explained the situation adequately. You'd be well advised to stop spreading misinformation, let the matter drop altogether,
7: and continue your
1: show with a different topic.
6: What's that? A threat? Hello? Well, you can forget it, William, or whatever your real name is. I'll talk about it until morning if I feel like it. If something dangerous is happening, we've got a right to know. You'll have to drag me out of this studio. You think I'm afraid of the government? You think I have skeletons in my closet? All my skeletons are arranged tastefully on the front lawn. Patrick in Gates Mills, you're on the air. Uh, Hello, Mike. Go ahead, Patrick.
5: Mike, I think I can clarify this entire situation for everyone but I'll need you to bear with me.
6: (laughs) I'm begging you, Patrick. I'm all ears.
5: Thank you, Mike. Now, I have to begin by saying that I am not originally from this planet. Stop right there. Yes, Mike.
6: (sighs) All right, let me tell you something, Patrick. This better get real interesting real fast. If you're just some everyday nut, call back after midnight when that UFO guy comes on. You got me?
5: I promise to make it worth your while, Mike.
6: See that you do, Patrick.
5: Perhaps this story would be more palatable if I spoke hypothetically. Suppose a person was in possession of some sensitive information. A new technology, say, or a military secret, or just some dirt on a politician that in the right hands could change galactic civilization forever.
6: Galactic civilization? (laughs) Look, I'm not much of a Trekkie, Patrick. I only watch baseball, wrestling, and Rachel Ray.
5: And suppose Rachel Ray? Really?
6: Get on with it, Patrick.
5: And suppose you wanted this person out of the way, but he had a high enough profile that he couldn't simply be done away with. What would you do? What could you do? Hide him in plain sight, on a crowded but unsophisticated planet where no one could attempt to contact or rescue him without endangering his life. And he would have no choice but to adjust to his exile, to try and blend in with the barbarians. Because even if he told the truth to everyone he met... No one would believe him.
6: And this hypothetical alien is you, I suppose.
5: That's correct. I appreciate your open-mindedness.
6: No problem, Patrick. Uh, Do you look human? You blending in okay? My disguise has been effective so far. What do you really look like? It's
5: hard to describe, at least in English.
6: Well, uh, thanks for outing yourself, so to speak, here on the Mike Colavito Show. But, uh, what's it got to do with anything?
5: Those flying saucers over the lake. And that is indeed what they are, not jet planes. Represent a rather ill-advised attempt by some of my more zealous supporters to... ...effect my rescue. Patrick? Yes, Mike?
6: That's about as plausible as anything I've heard today. But why reveal yourself now?
5: Well, since the military is obviously monitoring your show... I thought perhaps an explanation of my situation might convince them not to interfere. Despite my present situation, I still have some rather powerful friends, and if something should happen to those spacecraft, even through a misunderstanding, it might not bode well for this planet, which I must say I've grown rather fond of.
6: (laughs) I'm sure the feeling's mutual, Patrick. Can you hang on through the break? This is the most fun I've had in a long time
5: i should really go mike i've revealed too much already and i've certainly placed myself in danger but thank you for hearing me out
6: god love you patrick you made my afternoon
1: it's been seven hours and fifteen days
2: you marinate the chicken um... with a spice blend
1: oh, yeah, i can see the thing's body now it's large and it's large as a bear it is like wet leather, but that face. It, 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 ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. But I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. eyes are black and they gleam like a serpent. The mouth is that's kind of V shaped with saliva dripping from its rimless. <laughs>
6: If you're just joining us, we've been discussing the plethora of jet trails over northeastern Ohio this afternoon, despite objections from certain quarters, and our most amusing theory comes from an apparent extraterrestrial living out in Gates Mills. If anybody can top it, I'm all ears. Ahmed in Lyndhurst, you're on the air.
2: Yes, Mike, I wanted to talk to you about Patrick, the last caller. Don't believe a word he said. That story was nothing but a pack of lies.
6: Oh, congratulations for figuring that out, Ahmed. I was just having a little harmless fun going along with him. What's the problem?
2: Harmless is hardly the word I would use to describe the most nefarious criminal in the galaxy, Mike.
6: Oh, boy. I asked for it, I guess. Much as I'd like to just go home right now and ride out the invasion in my media room, I guess you better elaborate.
2: Naturally. Hypothetically speaking... Suppose there were a master criminal of such malevolent cunning, with a network of felonious associates so vast that anything he set his sights on was as good as his. Such a person could conceivably be responsible for the misappropriation of thousands of valuable items, state treasures, art objects, anything he could find a buyer for. Eventually there would be no option for a moral society but to banish him to a planet where, from a galactic standpoint... There was nothing worth stealing. No offense.
6: None taken, Ahmed. And how do you know this?
2: Well, one could never set such a dangerous person loose on a primitive planet without also leaving a minder behind to keep an eye on things. It would be unethical.
6: And this minder, that's you, right?
2: That's correct.
6: So you are also an alien.
2: That's right, Mike.
6: And the trails?
2: their spacecraft, just as Patrick said.
6: He was telling the truth about that.
2: I'm not scheduled to be relieved of my post here for another five years, so it can only be his cronies trying to extract him. I'm sure Patrick would like nothing better than for you to believe that he's a political prisoner. He seems to think Earth is peopled entirely by rubes. I don't, which is why I'm entrusting you with the truth. And I would also advise your Air Force to go ahead and engage those spacecraft, their destruction would be to the general good and an immeasurable favor to Earth.
6: I wonder if we could get Patrick back on for rebuttal. Uh, anything else to add, Ahmed?
2: That's it, Mike. Strictly speaking, I've said too much. But I think it's for the best. I couldn't just sit idly by.
6: And we appreciate it, Ahmed. What do you think of our planet?
2: I've seen worse. I do like the food.
6: Thanks, Ahmed. Wow. Wow. Is it time for the news yet? Well, we still have a few minutes before the news break. Time for one more call. Maybe the Air Force will call back. Line 1's lit up, but there's no name or city. Hey, Screener! Who's on Line 1? What do you mean you don't know? Christ, I gotta do everything myself, I guess. Okay, you're on the air on WCUI. Who am I talking to? Hello?
3: I enjoyed hearing from Patrick and Ahmed very much, but... I've got a story that's even better. Are you interested?
6: Sure, what have I got to
3: lose? But who are- Imagine a galactic civilization of unknowable antiquity lapsed into decadence after eons of peace. Imagine a race from elsewhere born of darkness, but covetous of the light, desirous of exterminating the galaxy's present inhabitants and assuming their place, but so unimaginably patient as to postpone invasion for nearly an eternity until their evolution assured their practical invincibility. Such a race, attacking from all sides and from within, might very well eliminate all traces of galactic culture in mere hours. They might then take their time surveying the civilized worlds and uncivilized worlds, calculating which species might best be enslaved and which simply eradicated. It's conceivable that on one such marginal planet they might discover two remnants of the newly extinct civilization, a convict and his jailer, perhaps fastidious to a fault, they would insist on destroying these last two anachronistic relics of a dead society, though not entirely lacking a sense of humor, they might first take them back to their native worlds and show them what had been wrought in their absence. Knowing that others of their race would eventually return to this planet when its fate was determined, their innate orderliness would dictate that no evidence of this visit remain. To this end, a tailored but relatively simple signal delivered simultaneously on all communication frequencies would readily excise all offending memories from the natives' unsophisticated brains, leaving them once again blissfully ignorant. All... Hypothetically speaking, of course. May I ask what you think of my story?
6: Uh, not much, I'm afraid. Good delivery, but lacks panache. I appreciate your call, though. It, oh, what is that? Does anyone else hear that? Look at that noise is going right up my spine! Are we broadcasting that? What the hell? Oh. What was that? What were we talking about? Should should should, should we take a call? I, I, I have no idea what's going on. Okay, it's time for WCUI's award-winning news. Then we'll talk to the Cleveland Indians hitting coach and see if we can't iron out this trouble they've been having. Back in a few. Uh, you,
2: are
1: you aware of terror at the time you were giving this role? Were you aware the terror was
2: going on throughout oh, the nation? Oh, no. First not. You don't uh, uh, play down the melodramatic effect of a of a melodrama. Radio is new and we Mm -hmm. are learning about the effect it has on people, Mm -hmm. learned a terrible lesson.
1: Mm -hmm. The The view of that, don't you think that somebody here would have been able to gauge the reaction which in fact has occurred throughout the United States?
2: Well, every radio program tries to be more dramatic than life, as every play tries to be more dramatic than life, and every movie, not less so, came rather as a great surprise to us that a story, fine H.G. Wells' classic fantasy, the original for so many succeeding comic strips and adventure stories and novels, the invasion by mythical monsters from the planet Mars, seemed to us to be clearly in the realm of the fairy tale. Deeply regretful that this is not so...
4: I'm here with Desmond Warzel, uh, author of that story you just heard, Doublecast 340, published on October 5th, 2014, a while back. Desmond, how are you
8: doing? Uh, great, thanks. It's uh, great to be here.
4: Yeah, this was um, one of my favorite stories out of all the hundreds that we've done to produce, uh, just because it was such a, an opportunity for us to really run wild with the voice acting. And I think that we tried to do our best to, um, to, to deliver kind of what you were bringing to the table originally, that kind of... Uh, War of the Worlds thing that was uh, freaked America out. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's been published a couple of times. Is it was originally published in Escape Pod?
8: No, but it did appear at Escape Pod. Uh, actually, it appeared first on a little site called sfreader.com mm-hmm. back in March of 2009. I would be lying if I said that the Drabblecast version isn't universally better received. That's great. How long have you been writing? Well most of my adult life and part of my childhood, but I didn't succeed until around uh, 2007, I sold my first story. Uh, But I did give it up for a long time, I will say that. Uh, I wrote, I used to submit to the Writers of the Future contest, which is still running, I believe, Uh back when I was in high school, when I really had no reasonable chance of winning or anything like that. And most of those were reworked from uh, high school uh, creative writing assignments. And I wrote a little in college and never really sent very much out. A little bit I did. I at some point had a personal rejection letter from Amazing Stories magazine. I wish I had not mislaid that at some point. That would have been a nice little souvenir from back in the 90s when, when they sent rejection letters out in the mail for these things.
4: Yeah, wow.
8: And and uh, then I didn't write anything very much for numerous years until 2007 when I had my first short story Published online in Abyss and Apex. Everything old is new again. I have a story coming out in this Abyss and Apex sometime this year. Wow! Brings a full circle. Uh, I'm always loyal to them. Mm-hmm. I send them th- the, the the 15 seconds a year that they're actually open for submissions. I do try to send something if I can, just because uh, I always appreciated them taking a the chance. And it was a pretty widely disseminated story uh, called uh, Wiki History. You may know it or oh, yeah. be aware of it. Time traveling Hitler story. Time Traveling Hitler story, partly a time travel story, partly a commentary on the Internet culture of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's still the best story that I'm best known for all these years later. So uh, uh, one can't argue with that.
4: It's true. You know, it's, it's interesting that um, people responded really well to this story. And, and also that that is a story that I've heard a lot of people talking about. Both of them have uh, very different kind of narrative forms that you usually see stories written as. Like that's that story is kind of a discussion forum back and forth, you know, as opposed right. to this. But is that something that you uh, love to play with more often than not?
8: I enjoy it when I can pull it off. I mean, gosh darn, if this uh, if this story that we've just listened to and are about to listen to again isn't tailor-made for the audio format, you might think that I intended it strictly for uh, audio presentation when I wrote it. I really didn't. I wrote it to be published. I will, however, say that I enjoy very much writing dialogue, uh-huh. and so that kind of lends itself to both this and the, uh, and the online forum uh, story that we were just talking about.
4: We tried to make a really ambitious attempt to, to bring it to life. And so we um, had almost, I think, 20 voice actors in this story. It's the most I've ever, easily, the most I've ever had to work with and um, the most I know of any podcast ever doing. Talk about a full cast, um, but we had Dave Robison was the main reader uh, and Mike Boris and Rish Outfield and uh, Ray Size, were a big group. And then we had um, we opened up a, Sco- a Skype voice recorder uh, mailbox and set up, we tweeted out lines of the call-ins that you had in your story. And uh, listeners would call in and leave and act those those lines out, those call in lines, and we'd uh, we picked from the ones that we liked and fit them in the story, so that you had real call ins to kind of mesh in there. And people really loved and took advantage of that, and it was so awesome to bring our listeners into the the performance. You know, that was a, such a cool thing. We had the author working with you, we had us as a producer role, and then we had actors that were our listeners. I mean, that's a real full circle scenario there.
8: Yeah, you offered me a line, Norm. I remember it. Uh, always kind of a. Uh uh shrinking violet, I guess I'm a little out of my comfort zone right now to be honest with you. But, <laughs> uh, it was uh Rich who got a hold of me on Facebook after the uh after the story debuted and asked me what I thought of it. And mm-hmm. frankly it practically brought a tear to my eye, honestly, to hear uh-huh. something acted out uh, something acted out in such a way that went beyond even the uh even the vision that I had had for it in my head. Uh I, I maybe uh a little biased towards the story itself. But I can't imagine anyone doing a better job.
4: Well, thanks. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. we, it's definitely, like I said, one of the, my favorite stories to have produced.
2: The
8: Broadcasting System
2: and its affiliated. Yeah, but one
4: thing <laughs> that I thought was fun was to, um, kind of frame it with the Orson Welles the the flashbacks. Yeah. Uh, so they act as commercials, which is kind of meta.
1: Hey there. Oh,
8: yeah. I, I enjoy the, uh, the uh, presentation of this immensely. Uh,. I think of it as, as the normification process It's <laughs> that, uh, crazy that's crazy stuff to him yeah I mean, I
4: it was fun because there was all sorts of uh, kind of easter eggs and flashbacks to fake things in Drabblecast like mythos you know that came up as commercials and then occasional real commercials of people talking about Bush and then flashback to George Orwell and then there's some random song and
8: I'm getting, getting television shows on my radio. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> I like, take that to the, to the shop.
4: I tend to get carried away when I like a story a lot. <laughs> oh. Beautiful thing. Yeah. I was going to ask you this. Um, Day- Dave Robison there, um, how-, how does his voice compare to uh, Mike Calivaro? I guess he was a real person, right?
8: Okay. Yes. This is a fellow in the Cleveland radio market named Mike Trevisano is, his, is, his, is the actual person's name. Colavito, which is the name I use in the story, is a reference. It's a Cleveland Indians baseball reference, and I just thought it, it was fun. Uh, there, there used to be a baseball player named Rocky Colavito. I guess they, I guess the Indians traded him, and it brought on one of these uh, curses, you know, that you have in sports now. What a voice! It's almost, it's almost spot on. Um, I'm looking for somebody with not, not a, not the bluster, but just sort of a level-headed, working-class type person.
4: Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, you could you could definitely get, like, an Alex Jones kind of guy who's just out there with the aliens and the cameras and all that stuff, but um, I don't know. It just—Dave, like, popped into my head immediately because he's got a voice for radio. He sounds like that kind of jackass. He is, I and mean, he's the sweetest guy in the world, but he sounds like a jackass that's on the radio making fun of his fans.
8: Good good sense of humor, but doesn't t- put up with very much uh, nonsense. Right. Um, and Mr. Mr. Trevisono is still on the air, and I am a listener to this day, thanks to the uh, iHeartRadio website i can still i can still uh hear it here even uh in my unabomber style shack here in pennsylvania
4: <laughs> undisclosed address yeah. Yeah, uh, we ought to send this to him and see what he thinks
8: <laughs> i i would point out also that the uh, mayor they're talking about is in fact still in office has been uh re four times and apparently will continue to be reelected i suppose until he actually falls apart at his desk i don't know oh, uh yeah frank jackson is the fellow's name it's, not extremely effective and not very well opposed at election time.
1: Westside Hardware. West Side oh, this is beautiful. Hard. Where? Who? West Side Hardware. Get your home improvement on, sucker. Yeah. I
8: love it. Uh, usually, in fact, I'll give you a little uh, fun fact. Usually the uh, traffic reports on that station are sponsored by a law firm called Elk and Elk. <laughs> Apparently it's two guys named Elk. Are they Native Americans? I don't know. Are they elk? I never, I never looked into. It. Are they actual elk? <laughs> go Gosh, I never have done the research. Well, uh, but they
4: wouldn't need to be called elk and elk because elk is you know plural anyway. For, so they could be just called elk, and they would count for elk and elk.
8: You sir have just blown my mind. <laughs>
4: I'm gonna have to write in.
8: Um, and uh, he mentions, in just in passing, a Cleveland athlete wearing a Yankees cap on national television. To, very, to nobody's surprise, that was LeBron James, <laughs> oh. and it was a big thing. And Oh, every, heavens to Betsy, what a thing that was. Hmm. LeBron James says, in the words of Douglas Adams, very unnecessarily messianistic. King James, the chosen one, we are all witnesses. I don't think so. Wow. <laughs> Get that guy the hell out of town, please.
6: Homicides in the triple digits. A downtown that looks like Baghdad. None of it bothers That hasn't changed. <laughs> Some things never do.
4: Pictures on the front page every day. In fairness, Mike, he didn't create those problems. He inherited most of them. Man, some of these voice actors really do sound like the type of tone that you'd hear on, like, you know, Opie and Anthony Collins and stuff like that. What's yeah.
6: Happening over there? There's no wreck or anything, Mike. I think everyone's just slowing down to look at the sky. The sky? Bunch of jet trails over Lake Erie. Jet
4: trails? Have you seen uh, that Pentagon footage that got released of the, the hovercraft thing? No, I haven't. Okay, well, it's kind of a big deal. There was this, uh, I mean, it's kind of been virally a little bit for more than a ufo story usually is um but the, there's been, there was a video going along for a long time of this um aircraft that we didn't recognize flying next to these jet planes they're talking about it and then it just shoots straight up just like your story says at that one okay. point um and yeah. anyway so everyone thought it was a fake but then the pentagon okayed it and said yeah we had that we, we filmed that that's real whatever it is so it's a, that's the thing that kind of gave it some some booster in the, uh, the viral world. But that's a neat yeah. thing about the story is that that uh, ever present kind of uh, like watching over your shoulder of the of the government and the man. I guess are you a uh, are you one of those like super crazy nutcase types that are all into conspiracy theories <laughs> and the government's coming to get us? Or?
8: No, I'm a different kind of super crazy nut than that. <laughs> okay. um, I would point out as I may have mentioned on other forums that this happened. Uh, Sometime before before 3 o'clock, Mr. Trevisano is on from 3 to 7, except when interrupted by uh, baseball or basketball. Mm -hmm. Sometime between 2.30 and 3, he breaks in on Rush Limbaugh, which is probably a big no-no in in radio to break in on the massively expensive syndicated programming. Mm -hmm. I don't know this. And says, stay tuned after Rush. Something's going on. You're going to want to hear about it. And really all it was, he does this a couple of times, and really all it was was – massive amounts of crisscrossing jet trails contrails over Lake Erie north of Cleveland Hmm. and that's really all it was except uh, but I'm going to be honest I had never seen so many before in my life I really think it was either just a coincidence or they're often up there and we just don't see them because of atmospheric conditions and things but it was uh, remarkable enough to spend an entire show on and that's where uh that's the genesis of the story
4: that is awesome that's i was gonna ask that obviously that's that's a cool original genesis
8: uh it 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 happened they spent a long time talking about it hey that that's not a jet trail i think that one just turned 90 degrees that kind of thing
7: Uh,
8: Uh, you know but uh it was it ultimately it never really got anywhere
4: that's neat. Uh, I think that it, this this stuff is cool to me because um, we don't know what it is really. I mean, even if it was just a guy with a rocket pack or something, I mean that's a guy with a rocket pack. There is no scenario where this unknown technology that allows things to take 90 degrees angles and stuff um, isn't cool. Even if it's just a really badass secret plane, that's still is easily categorized. I mean, it doesn't have to be an alien to be you know amazing. Do you believe in aliens? What's your what's your thoughts on the extraterrestrial life and if we've been visited by them like this?
8: Oh, well, it's a big universe, isn't it? it sure is. I mean, you would all you will almost have to think so. And I think you could take that from a scientific uh, standpoint or a theistic standpoint. It'd be a shame if it was really just empty except for us. I don't think it's going to be anything we can immediately get a handle on. I think it's certainly not humanoid probably, although it will be in my stories for simplicity's sake most of the time. If we've been visited... It's 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 funny that you mentioned this because I talk about Trevisano as a no-nonsense guy, mm-hmm. absolutely convinced that the pyramids could not have been built by the people at that at that period in history. He is. Okay, I want to call in. Come on, Mike. It's a pile of rocks. <laughs> yeah. Even, even if it collapses, it's still pyramid-shaped.
4: That's true. That's true. Um, I mean, it's a, that's a hard sell, too. I mean, uh, I, part of me is biased, obviously. I would love to believe that there are ancient aliens helping out and maybe possibly putting Xenomorph in certain chambers so that they could have battles with the predators and all that. <laughs> you know, I, I want to believe.
8: I have been waiting for them all my life, to be honest with you. And uh, uh, thus far, as far as I know, there's come up snake eyes on that role.
4: Yeah. Think of how nuts it would be if if everyone just knew there were aliens and uh, all the talking heads and YouTube videos getting banned and just the mere pandemonium. Uh, I'd be terrified if I was one of those top-secret leader folks that would know about the aliens in in Nevada or something and be like, "Ah, I really don't know if we should tell people about this.
8: Oh, it would change everything, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I mean, in more ways than you could possibly imagine. It would be like if you could actually prove that a ghost was real. Yeah. Uh, if, If instead of, you know blowing the drapes around or knocking on the windows a ghost sat down and said my name is fred jones i died in in 1947 in this particular way here's what the afterlife is like
4: yeah, that's, that's, funny well, you mentioned. that's what I'm waiting for. That's, I, I have this ongoing debate with my friends. I love to ask people on first dates and stuff that question of what do you think would be a bigger uh, impact to mankind going forward? Uh, not not cooler or, you know, that kind of stuff, but like bigger impact. Would it be the discovery of extraterrestrial life? doesn't have to be intelligent. It's just life on some other planet or the discovery of the definitive proof of a, of a ghost, like a paranormal spiritual thing. And it's, it's to me, it's a hard question. But I always kind of land on, land on ghost myself.
8: Uh, I agree with you only because extraterrestrial life is certainly possible, Mm -hmm. whereas uh, life after death or the existence of a spirit after death would require a major revision of uh, science as we understand it. Oh, yeah, physics would be just off the roof. Extraterrestrial life is possible under science now as we understand it. It would be a major uh, reworking of essentially existence as we know it. Yeah. I'll tell you something. I've been – during the uh, the current crisis here, I I had been off work for a period of six weeks or so mm-hmm. um, and making my way through some uh, Marvel content on Netflix, your your Daredevils and your Luke Cages and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, your Iron Fists and whatnot. And I realized that technically this stuff takes place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's just you would think you would mention every so often <laughs> that when you live in a comic universe, oh, hey – You know, remember the time aliens invaded New York? (laughs) Oh, hey, the the Asgard pantheon turned out to be real. How about that? Oh no! Let's worry about who's moving uh, heroin through Hell's Kitchen. Who cares? <laughs> you know what's funny is like, I th- I think the same thing about how we live today.
4: The the immense hive mind ADD that the world has. Like we care about these hornets from China like for three days, and then we care about like Syria for two days, and like and we just forget when we cared about uh, Harape the, the gorilla or you know these. We just can barely focus on one thing for more than three days before it's just okay. Yeah, Thor and Asgard and everything happened last week, and did you hear what Trump said this week? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you, um, where did the title of this story come from?
8: It's one of these things just that came out of nowhere, kind of. I don't know the origin of the phrase. On a a clear day, you can see all the way to. Uh But it exists in various forms. And I just thought there's a lot of different covering up going on in this story. And it just seemed like, uh, yeah. It seemed like a, a, a fit. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I didn't used to be a fan for just some reason of uh, long, wacky titles, but uh-huh. I seem to be producing more and more of them as uh, as time goes on. So, hey, that's uh, that's Rich talking, right? Yeah, right here.
5: Even through a misunderstanding, it might not bode well for this planet, which I must say I've grown rather fond of.
6: <laughs> and I'm sure the feelings mutual, Patrick.
4: Rish did such a good job because uh, what I love about this story, uh, second half, uh, is the, the gently spiraling uh, uh, chaos where there's just more elements added into, into things and it spirals <laughs> yeah. into this just mayhem. Like you think it's this one guy and anybody could be just making things up because it's a college show. Thing. Yeah, but it all fits together and things keep getting bigger and bigger. What if none of the, the last one is the best where what if uh, somebody was just cultivating all these other warring races and there's a bigger power above them?
8: In my in my in the canon, C-A-N-O-N, in mm-hmm. my head. I actually don't know whether Patrick or Ahmed is telling the truth. I don't know whether Patrick's a, a, a prisoner of conscience or whether he's an actual criminal. And of course, the beauty is it doesn't matter anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, Patrick and Ahmed are like the uh, the half black, half white guys from uh, Star Trek. They're the last two members of their species, anyway. Uh-huh. They just don't know it yet.
6: If you're just joining us, we've been discussing the plethora of jet trails over northeastern Ohio this afternoon, despite objections from certain quarters. And our most amusing theory comes from an apparent...
4: Was Rish, did Rich have the line, the Rachel Ray line?
8: Yeah. Oh, yeah. good.
4: Uh, that He delivered that perfectly. That was a, a definite laugh out loud moment for me where Rachel Ray? Really?
8: <laughs> Love that guy.
2: That yeah. story was nothing but. A pack of this rocks. guy's great too, Mike Boris. Well, congratulations. Okay, yeah. Figuring that out,
6: Ahmed. I was just having a little harmless fun going along with him. What's the problem?
2: Harmless is hardly the word I would use to describe the most nefarious criminal in the galaxy, Mike.
4: Such
8: a perfect contrast with Rich's yeah, guy too.
4: Yeah, I was looking for like more of an Arab sounding voice because Ahmed, but Mike was just. I needed really more than the Arab piece of it. I needed more like uh somebody who's like a, just total
8: suit, you know, like right. almost a robot.
2: Suppose there were a master criminal of such malevolent...
8: And this guy's just putting on his ethnicity anyway. He probably just picked so that so out of the phone vast. book. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's what I figured out. Pretty much the names are random. Mm-hmm.
2: Such a person could conceivably be responsible for the misappropriation of thousands of valuable items, state treasures, art objects, anything he could find a buyer for. Eventually, there would be no option for a moral society but to banish him to... It's a fun
4: how, like, the next person that one-ups the previous crazy caller, uh, you they always see their perspective and are kind of, oh, I, I'll get it. Oh, so he's right. You know, there's always two sides to every story, and then the next person calls in, and then you're like, oh, that guy's right. You know?
8: I haven't revisited this story in a while, and I went back over it today, uh, read down through it, and actually listened to the, the podcast again. Um, man, I really like this ending bit. I'm sorry, I just do. It is. It's, I, mean, it's fun. I mean, I mean... The beginning parts are, are harmless fun. As I said, I like writing dialogue. Really, this story was originally about twice its length. Uh, I had to trim it. I, I was just getting too carried away with callers, And because Mr. Colavito's uh, studio is windowless, I had him send an intern out the parking lot with a cell phone to report on the uh, on the uh, jet trails and whatnot. And there was a whole conversation there. Mm. Fun, fun to write, but it was bogging the story down. I figured he'd just have people emailing pictures of it
4: yeah it's always that tricky thing when you're having fun with the story uh you know where you got to cut yourself off
8: <laughs> some people i know really despair of writing dialogue and yeah and then some writers i see who really ought to write this dialogue because mm-hmm. you're not so hot at it all the time mm-hmm. i enjoy it and i'm just egotistical enough to think that it might be a minor strength of mine
4: that's well you know i, I was thinking about the other day um writers egos and how critical they <laughs> are to, to the, the process and how they're also a, a detriment you know you really can't be a good writer without an ego
8: oh you have to just to put forth uh a thing you've created and say give me money for this yeah i mean you know writing fiction is a very commercial art i might paint, I might paint something just for fun i've never written anything just for fun i yeah. need i need i need dollars.
4: It's underestimated the courage it takes to write a short story and then to like send it to somebody, allow them to read it is is I mean, you earn the ego whenever you even just do that, you know to expose yourself to that extent and be vulnerable. but it's neat, you're creating things that have nothing, which I love about writing in general you know so it might not always be the best thing out of nothing but at the very least you still make poof you know you used ideas and creativity uh you didn't even put things together with legos you just used words (laughs) to make something neat and uh and that's that's worth a little bit of ego patient as
3: to postpone invasion for nearly an eternity until their evolution assured their practical invincibility such a
4: race. At this point this is Nathan who's our uh, was our editor at the time and he he, just, oh, sure. he he was totally dibsies on this part. He was like I got to be able to do the ending of it. Um and so then I I played him back this piece and I put this dramatic music
3: the civilized world in the, the background civilized which totally breaks
4: like the you know the the buy-in or the uh, <laughs> the the whole idea because like there wouldn't be just random right. music playing in the the show but at this point it just almost doesn't matter because it's spiraled to that absurd point where you know, it's Too good
8: not to do. I love it.
4: Yeah, it, the nothings real, and you're in it. Suddenly, you're a movie. And his jailer, perhaps.
8: I didn't know that was—I uh, didn't know that was Nathan Lee. Oh yeah, Nathan is the only one I knew. I knew about uh, about Mr. Colavito, and I recognized uh, when I went back through it, I recognized Rich's voice immediately because I listened to his podcast all the time. But uh, I know Nathan Lee. i have be—I've heard him on on kinds of podcasts, but that's a really good performance. I didn't spot evidence
3: of this visit remain to this end. A tailored but relatively simple signal delivered simultaneously on all communication frequencies would readily excise all offending memories from the natives, unsophisticated brains, leaving them once again blissfully ignorant. All
4: hypothetically speaking of course yeah (laughs) that's a fun (laughs) like thing you keep keep threading that back and forth after these things I mean all hypothetically speaking (laughs) and then they go into this elaborate (laughs) hypothetical does anyone else hear that and of course it had to end this way you know with the the men in black like mind (laughs) race (laughs) what the hell
0: (laughs) Yo,
6: (sighs) what was that what were we talking about? Should should we take a call? I-, I-, I have no idea what's going on.
4: <laughs> do you um, do you typically? When does the ending kind of hit you when you're writing a short story? Like, did you start the story knowing you would end it this way, or did it kind of evolve as no. you went through it? I figured no. No. Yeah.
8: This this uh this one uh, evolved as it went on. I had no idea how it was gonna end. It. And in fact. I've, one of the things that I find is that I do have a rather heavy editing process only because I write in a linear fashion,
1: mm-hmm.
8: often having no idea how it's going to end. Uh, I'm sure I just came up – I don't remember. It's been a long time now, but I'm sure I just came up with this whole uh, this whole uh, Patrick and Ahmed and Mysterious Third Guy just as I was writing other dialogue while I was trying to think of something – some funny explanation for the, the jet trails. And of course – Really, then it turns out that the first half of the story is uh, entertaining, entertaining, but rather light entertainment. I would call it amusement more than anything else. And then uh, Patrick Ahmed and uh, third person really, uh, really nail it. Yeah, I mean, it just take, it just takes a sudden turn out of nowhere, and it's and I still think it's funny, but it's uh, really rather dark too we're coming back for you earth at some point not that you'll remember <laughs>
4: yeah it's fun uh, to to set the story up like that and it's just important to have like, the the right pacing to where it does serve as like a stage to to uh, to um to something bigger you know like a lot of stories that we get submitted have a fun idea like that and there's good jokes and stuff in it but it doesn't really go anywhere it's more of like just a uh, you know, a pun in and of itself. Uh, mm. But but this story was great because it's you know it plays with that as a setup piece of the first half, and then it, it actually turns into what it is, which is this uh, potential hypothetically quote uh, you know intergalactic battle that may or may not be happening, and uh, involving in everything the chaos that's probably happening outside as people are right. listening to this. And I I definitely love thinking of, of that the um, Orson Welles <laughs> piece with with War of the Worlds. If that was to happen today, and we heard just this going on, and there are all these callers that are some of their complete morons, and they're talking about sports and stuff like that. But just what's happening outside, the cars wrecking and just the mayhem um, as, as this escalates to the point that it does.
8: A few issues that people have with this story. Oh, yeah? What are some? Well, first of all, a lot of people couldn't get their head around what kind of show this actually is mm. because it doesn't seem to be about anything. And the reason for that is that I just based it on a real show. Yeah. So it's not a sports talk show but they do often talk about sports and it's not a political show, but they do often talk about politics. And it's just a local person who has a listenable enough personality that somehow he managed to get his own daily show from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, every weekday. And has, has been doing it for decades as far as I know. Certainly uh, he was already doing it when I moved to Cleveland originally in something like 2002.
4: This, this guy is Opie to me, basically, or, or Anthony Cumia. So that kind of, there are definitely okay. these people out here, I think. I mean, uh, this he really sounds like the number, that's the number one radio show for a while, um, for whatever reason. <laughs> but I don't well, know I'll take your a... word
8: on it. I'm not familiar.
4: Yeah. I mean, obviously that doesn't, that comes across quickly in audio, but maybe on paper, uh, it might be more ambiguous to people. What, what's going on with this radio show? What's the topic of it? Because those shows always baffle me. I'm like, what? These are just two dudes rambling on about stuff that doesn't have a point, but people enjoy it.
8: Um, I'm also told that AM signals are impervious to being interfered with, as happens at the end. <laughs> I don't know if this is true. You're asking a lot from uh, uh, a, a simple fellow such as me. Yeah, you know, I
4: almost sometimes feel bad for people that can't enjoy stories because they they can't break through something like that. I mean, um, if, if if you're engaged in that level of uh, critical thinking about a story, then it's it's like how can we even believe that there would be aliens in this universe you know like if, if right. <laughs> it's you've got to let go of some inhibitions as far as the world building is going on here and i lo- i get nerd pwned all the time running a podcast nerd trust <laughs> me so the am thing is like yeah i'm just used to i almost kind of learned i learned a lot of new things about how to pr- pronounce certain things and <laughs> lovingly told to me about them. <laughs> cool well desmond this has been great man um i appreciate you spending the time with us uh, to chat about your story here
8: let me uh pimp the old uh, blog there which is called the the blog is called the Jobless Insomniacs Motorcycle Club. Wow. Uh, that's just at my name, Desmond Worsell Wordpress. at wordpress.com. But on there is a complete bibliography of everything I've published, including links to free stories on and, uh, on various incendiary websites and podcasts, and Amazon links where appropriate to uh, anthologies and magazines and whatnot that those stories have also appeared in.
4: That's cool. Well, Desmond, it's been great uh, talking to you. Uh, We'll keep in touch. Talk to you soon.
8: Okay. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Jason.
4: Hey there, this is Justin
5: Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm
3: torn by my feelings for two women.
5: Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it.